In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the month of Kiyak, and as we know in the entire month of Kiyak, we read uh, the Gospel reading from the first chapter of St. Luke, uh, which is the story uh, of the birth of Christ, which includes the story of the Annunciation uh, and the story of the Annunciation of St. John the Baptist. Today we read um, the very first part, which was the Annunciation uh, of St. John the Baptist to his parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And we read in verse 17 that St. Uh, John was called uh, to, to prepare the people for the Lord. And it says, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the, to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This was the calling and the mission that St. John the Baptist was called for. And he was called for this while he was still, <clears throat> before he was even conceived. God had prepared this mission for St. John before he was born, before he was even conceived, and he had this purpose in mind for him. And we see there are many examples in the scripture of where God is calling certain people to certain missions, to certain plans, to certain things, um, sometimes before they are born, sometimes we, 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 we read about what their mission is after that they were born. Um, but it gives us a sense of every person's life has some kind of a purpose. Everybody's life has, there's something that God is calling us for. And in order for us to be truly fulfilled in the world, in order for us to be truly doing according to the will of God, we have to first know what is this purpose that God is calling us for, and then we have to actively pursue this purpose. Today I want to speak a little bit about what are the some, of, some ways that God calls his people, calls us to different things, to different roles, to different actions. How is it that God calls us? The first way we see that God has called some people is he called them for healing, both physical healing and spiritual healing. To the blind man, Bartimaeus, who was begging on the road and calling out to Jesus Christ when he heard that Christ was coming, he called out to him, and it says, So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. This man Bartimaeus, who was blind for so long, and then when he heard simply that the Messiah was coming, he called out to him, and the Messiah responded, Be of good cheer, rise, or, or the people said, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. How is it that we would respond when we hear the voice of Jesus calling out to us, calling us to him? And he's calling us to him for, for forgiveness. He's calling us to him for healing. He's calling us to him so we could be restored and transformed and changed. We read about this also in Ezekiel chapter 11, which is the famous parable of the dry bones whom God lifted and resurrected up. He says, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh. When we are all born into the world, we are born in isolation from God, in darkness, separation from God. And so God is calling each of us to a life of renewal, a life of restoration. This is a calling that he is saying, Arise. Arise, come, just like he, he, he raised from the dead Lazarus, just like he raised from the dead um, the, the, the son of the widow in the, in the funeral and when he was still in his coffin. He is calling us and saying, all of us are dead in some way. All of us are spiritually dead. And he's calling us for resurrection. He's calling us to raise us up again. So that's one type of calling that the Lord calls us. He also calls us to lead a life of repentance to the adulterous woman, who was caught in the act of adultery, who was going to be stoned. Christ speaks to her after all of the people that were to stone her had left. And he says, has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. 
And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This again is a calling. Christ is calling to us and say, Live a life of purity. Live a life apart and away from sin. Live a life of repentance. Go and sin no more. Every time Christ said something to his people, this is the formula for success, the formula for peace, the formula for joy, the, the formula for fulfillment in life. People seek after all kinds of fulfillment in life. And unfortunately, usually the way of fulfillment that we try to pursue is a fulfillment of pleasure of the flesh, some type of pleasure. Because these momentary uh, times of happiness that we experience, we think perhaps that this is the only type of fulfillment there is in the world. And yet we know that these actually go against it because, because while we might have fulfillment for a moment, maybe we have a long period of time of dissatisfaction and unhappiness as a result of the wrong choices that we make. But here Christ is saying if, to this woman, if you want to live a life of fulfillment, if you want to live a life that is full and purposeful, go and sin no more. This is again a calling. He's calling us to live this life of purity. Also, God calls us to a life of service. When God called Jeremiah the prophet, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Again, another example of someone whom God called when he was still in the womb before he was born. He says, what? I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I, 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 I set you apart for a service. Maybe all of us, we have different desires and goals. And oftentimes our desires and goals in the world are very, uh, you know, I, I'll say the word selfish. I don't mean by selfish, I mean evil or wrong, but very much focused on ourselves. We have, we have goals about our own uh, financial success. We have goals about our own children's success. We have goals about our own career success. And we very much find fulfillment in our own personal success. Here, when God called this prophet Jeremiah to be a prophet, he told them, I don't want you to focus on yourself. I don't want you to focus on your own personal success. I don't want you to focus on your money. I don't want you to focus on your family. I don't want you to focus on anything. Your whole mission of your entire life is tied up with the idea of serving God's people. And in this service, you will suffer. In this service, you will find hardship and difficulty. This was the life of the prophet Jeremiah. And if we look at the lives of the greatest servants and prophets that lived all throughout the, the scripture, the apostles, we see that it is a life that is characterized by self-denial. That, that they deny themselves completely and all of the normal and natural and good desires that they would have and ways of being fulfilled on their own. And they sacrifice this for the sake of the greater mission and the greater purpose that God had called them to. And I'm not calling everyone to, to leave your families and to, and to leave your, your money and to leave everything and you leave your career. This is not what maybe God is calling us to. Maybe God did not come to us and say, I want you to leave absolutely everything and go and serve in a certain way. But God is calling us to serve in some way. God is calling us saying, I give you talents, I give you gifts, I give you something, I want you to use this in the service of God, in the service in the church, in the service of our families, in the service of people that we know and that we meet where it, wherever it is that we go. This again is a calling to every Christian. God wants us to live not just for ourselves, but for some greater purpose. God also calls us for encouragement. When, uh, when Moses was almost going to die and Joshua was going to be his replacement leading the people of Israel, Moses called Joshua to have a talk with him. And it says, Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, 
For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Of course, somebody like Joshua who was taking the reins from the hands of Moses to lead the entire nation of Israel is a daunting and very frightening task. And Moses here calls Joshua and tells him, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. This was a calling that, that he is calling Joshua here for encouragement. He's saying maybe Joshua had all of the knowledge and understanding of what it is that he should be doing, but he was frightened. It was something that was a difficult task for him, and he wanted encouragement and reassurance. Here, God is calling us for encouragement. He's saying to us, I am with you. He's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. The, the path that you are to walk, the service that you are called for, whatever the calling is that God is calling us for, is something that we are not alone in it. We are wor working with God. God is working with us, and he is leading us in this path all the way to the very end. So if we were to encounter difficulties and obstacles and situations that are frightening to us, he says, what? Well, do not fear nor be dismayed because God is with us. Also, he might call us for rebuke. He actually, God rebuked Job for his self-righteousness. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. When Job kept asking all these questions and thinking that he understood why is it that God would do certain things, God silenced him and he told him, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Who, who are all of the people, actually all the people that were there speaking with Job and Job as well? All these people who are speaking, thinking that they understand, thinking that they know the truth, thinking that they can explain why is it that, uh, that Job is going through all the suffering. He rebuked them and he says, now prepare yourself because I am going to question you and you will answer me. Sometimes we we, we question God all the time. And sometimes we, we judge God. We evaluate him according to human judgment. And yet God comes to us and says, who are you to question? Who are you? To, what do you know about the universe to question? I will question you and you will answer me. And when he began to question Job, and he began to question the friends of Job, his questions were rhetorical. There was no answer that Job or any of them could give. In, in, in fact, he was asking, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I created everything? Right? There was nothing. There was nothing, no answer that could be given because as human beings, we cannot question the Almighty. So here, when God spoke to Job, he was speaking what? He was speaking in a way of rebuke, saying, I, don't, I, 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 I want you to realize how uh, small you are compared to me. Right? And this is another type of calling. When God calls us to experience something, to make us aware of our smallness, to make us aware of how, how, how powerless we really are to humble us and this humility is not intended to um, destroy us it's not intended to hurt us it's intended actually to see that in this large world in this big world that we live in that's very much out of our control that we should stop trying to pretend like we're in control we stop we stop trying to pretend like i can affect all the changes that i want in my life instead of say god is the one who is working if god wants me to lead me into a certain way he can if god wants me to take me somewhere else he can in the end god is the solver of every problem god is the one who works in me so so sometimes god calls us in this type of rebuke of realization that i'm not as powerful or as knowledgeable as i think that i am god also calls us for salvation God saved Lot and his family when they were 
uh, when they were uh, escaping from the city of Sodom. And it says, When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the, in the punishment of the city. Right? This was a calling to salvation. When the angels of the Lord came and they brought Lot and his family out of the city that was about to be destroyed. He said, come with us. Come with us. I, we have a safe place for you to come. But in order to experience this safe place, you have to leave behind your home. You have to leave behind your possessions. You have to leave behind your city. You have to leave behind everything that you knew. But what you will have is you will save your lives. You will save your lives and your family will be saved. Come quickly. And as they become, became to go out, which was this calling of salvation that God made to them, we know the story that all of them came except for Lot's wife. Lot's wife, she turned and she looked back at the city and she turned into a pillar of salt. Her turning to look back at the city represents what our attachments to the world. God is calling us to safety to a place that will not be destroyed. He says what the world and the, the, the world that we know is going to eventually be destroyed. We know that it's a temporary place. So God says, I want to bring you out of this world so that you are not destroyed with it. So come, come with me. God is calling us for the salvation. And then it is us up to us to be like Lot and say, oh yes, we will leave. We're going to leave everything. You know, we look maybe at the story of Lot and we say, obviously Lot would leave. Why wouldn't Lot leave when everything was about to be destroyed? But sometimes we don't consider that attachment that we might have, that this was his home. If God comes to us and he says, leave your home because your home will be destroyed, maybe, maybe I won't want to. You know, we hear stories sometimes of people who, when, when they're in a building or if their home is on fire, that they actually want to go and start collecting some of their possessions and taking it out uh, of the house before they just run out. Because this, again, we love our stuff. We love our things. We, want, we have this attachment to things. If God calls Lot and his family and he says, come out, are we going to come out like them? Or are we going to be like Lot's wife who turns and looks again to the thing that we are missing? So these are some ways that God calls us. I want to speak a little bit before we conclude about what is the way that God speaks to us? How does he communicate to us? How does he communicate the calling to us so that we would hear his voice and we would know him? In Job 33, verse 14, it says, For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. God speaks in hidden ways. Usually God doesn't speak in such obvious ways, in miraculous ways, that we hear a voice from heaven and we know exactly what to do. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, and God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. What are some of the ways that God speaks? One is through the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is why we read the word. We are, through the word, we are inspired by God. We are edified. We learn the, and understand God's commandment. He gives us instruction. It is through the word of God that he enlightens us, that he directs us. If we've ever been contemplating a decision, and as we read in the word of God, we begin to get a sense of maybe God is directing me in one way or the other. This is one way that God speaks. He wants us to hear his word through what he has written. Sometimes people... Um, say, well, God is speaking to me and he's telling me to do something. But sometimes that something that God is calling me to do actually goes against what we know God wants. For instance, let's say we know that God wants us to go to church. We know that God wants us to pray. We know that God wants us to fast. We know that God wants us to, to practice these spiritual activities. This is something important. We all agree that this is good. And yet sometimes 
we orient our lives in such a way to make this impossible. We, we, we have, for instance, so many activities, so many commitments, so many hours at work, so many extracurricular things that I do, so many things to where every single moment of my week is filled and overflowing. And then we say, well, I don't have time to pray and I don't have time to read and I don't have time to go to church. Well, who decides our time? Does someone impose it on us? Or do we the ones who decide how we spend our time, right? This is, the word of God tells us what he wants us to do. Are we listening or are we not listening? The second way that God speaks to us is through the comments of others. When, um, when Cornelius, the centurion, the Gentile, uh, was approached by the angel of God, and God was going to reveal to him his, uh, uh, the, you know, and give him salvation, the, the Gentiles that were to receive salvation to receive the Holy Spirit. So uh, the angel told Cornelius this in Acts chapter 10. He said, send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He will tell you what you must do. He told Cornelius, this Gentile man, go to the church, go to St. Peter, and he will tell you what you must do. So God was speaking through St. Peter, right? God speaks through the church. God speaks through one another to us. Many times I'd hear situations where like someone will come to me and ask me for advice and I'll tell them what I think. And then they will say, you know what? This is the exact same thing that another priest said. It's the same thing that my parents said. It's the same thing my friends said. It's the same thing that everybody said. So this gives us some kind of uh, you know, peace and, and conviction that maybe this is the right decision. Maybe this is God's will because it is through the advice of other people that are wise and understanding and so on. On the flip side, sometimes a person will come to me and they say, well, in this decision, I want to do something. And I'll say, you know what? I don't think that's a good decision. And they'll say, you know what? My parents said that. My friend said that. Everybody said that. But I still want to do it. Okay. Well, are you, who are you listening to? God is speaking to you through the mouths of other people. Are you listening to what they have to say or are you just doing what you yourself want to do? This is another way that God speaks. God also speaks through circumstances. Um, sp speaking about Pharaoh in Egypt during the time of the slavery, it says, for at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart, God speaking to Pharaoh, and on your servants and, and on your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Says what the circumstances which was sending the ten plagues upon Egypt was the way that God communicated to Pharaoh that he was real, and that that God, that he didn't want Pharaoh to keep the Israelites in slavery in Egypt any longer. This was a very very loud message, very loud message. He spoke through his circumstances. He says what if you are not going to let the people go, then all of these things are going to happen to you. So maybe you know we should look at our circumstances and we say. What are my circumstances telling me? What are the circumstances of other people telling me? For instance, if other people have experienced something because of a decision they made, maybe that's going to be the same thing that I experienced. Maybe God wants me to, to hear the, the voice of the situation, that there is a situation happening around me and there's different events that are happening. Maybe, maybe for me, that should be a sign that is telling me, oh, to either go this way or to go this way. We should keep our eyes open and see. God can speak through coincidences, can speak through circumstances, can speak through things where either everything lines up together to kind of make one decision be very easy, or sometimes things line up all together to frustrate us in a decision that we wanted to go. We should pay attention to those things. 
God also speaks through our conscience. In Acts 24, 16, um, St. Saint, Saint, uh, Paul is speaking to Felix the governor, and he says, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Oftentimes when we are living our life and we're doing things, we'll feel this like prick, almost like a thought that comes into us, a little conviction that says, is what I'm about to do right? Is what I'm about to do like the right decision or is it wrong? Usually whenever we have that feeling, usually we should trust it. Whenever we have the feeling inside of us that says maybe what I'm about to do is wrong, usually that's we should hear that. That's usually the right thing. But what happens sometimes is we begin to quiet that. We're like, we just begin to justify. No, but you know, but I do this and if I have this and this situation and that and that, so I justify my action because really that's what I want to do, right? But usually when the Holy Spirit convicts us, it's a voice inside our head that says, be careful, what you're doing is not right. You shouldn't do it. And it's not a very loud voice. It doesn't necessarily hit us in the face. It's this quiet feeling inside, maybe the Holy Spirit is telling me. We should strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. This is another way that God speaks. The last way that I wanted to mention, which is not common, it's not something that happens often, but it has happened, so we'll speak about it, which is God is speaking through signs. Usually when people want to hear the will of God, this is the first thing they go to. is like, oh, I want a sign. God, give me a sign that something is happening. This is usually not the way that God speaks, at least nowadays, right? It doesn't, doesn't mean that it can't happen, but oftentimes we fool ourselves into thinking that, 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 that there's some kind of sign, some miraculous event that is going to tell me what is the will of God. We read about the story of Gideon. Says, so Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. So Gideon made a little test and he said, well, if the, you know, if the ground is dry and the fleece is wet the next day, then I know that it was from you. And then after that, he wasn't satisfied, so he reversed it. And he said, well, next day, if the, if the ground is wet and the fleece is dry, then I'll know that this is from you. And this is the problem with signs, is because you don't actually know if it actually was a sign or not. And even Gideon himself, he asked for a sign. God fulfilled it. He said, well, I just want to be sure. So I'm going to ask the opposite. Oh, yeah, the opposite happened. Okay, now I'm, I'm sure. This is from God. So even though, yes, God throughout history and especially in the old testament communicated through signs now he communicates to us through the holy spirit that is living in us we don't need to see external signs if we are in union with god then we will hear the voice of god we will experience god we will know right and sometimes we don't necessarily know 100 percent, but we believe that god is faithful to us if we seek to please him if we seek to follow his will and we we, we are sincere we ask advice we look at the circumstances we listen to our conscience we read the word of god the comments of others everything together and if everything is pointing us in one direction then we say okay this is the will of god for me right so we spoke about two main things one is that god calls us for many different kinds of things he calls us for healing spiritual and physical healing he calls us for repentance he calls us for a life of service he calls us for encouragement to give us encouragement in a difficult time he calls us for rebuke when we are doing something we shouldn't be and he calls us for salvation 
just like he called Lot and his family to be saved from Sodom. And God speaks to us in many ways. He speaks through his word. He speaks through the comments and advice of others. He speaks through the circumstances of the situations we're in. He speaks through our conscience with that still small voice that's inside. And then finally, in some cases, he has spoken with signs. So may God allow us to hear his voice and that we will obey and follow the purpose that he has for us. And in so doing, we find peace and fulfillment and joy in our lives, being confident that we are not living our lives to ourselves, but we are living it for the glory of God. And glory be to God forever. Amen.